Hey, this is Ed Luther, pastor of City Church in Australia. I hope that today's podcast really inspires you. Thank you so much for listening. A lot of things that happen when it comes to the promises of God, and we're going to look at this this morning. And uh, most of the, the good things that happen, we see them as from the, uh, the top coming down, as it were, from the heavens coming down. And so we often have this, this outward uh, outlook on God when it comes to the things of God. However, most of the things, and this is where we're going to go this morning, most of what God's trying to, to do is actually already in you. It's just not acknowledging who it is that's in you and what God's trying to do. So it's not so much trying to, you know, scream at the mountains or the heavens or the sky. It's, it's looking on the inside of you that God's already planted there uh, good things. He's put his spirit. That's we celebrated Pentecost Sunday. You know, how good is that? That uh, he was with you, but now the promise is he shall be in you. And one of the greatest shifts well, as far as my Christianity goes and following Jesus came when I realized that it's an inside job. Uh, oftentimes you'll hear whenever there's a bank robbery, a heist of something valuable, and, and, and sometimes, you know, it's an impregnable uh, fortress that's protecting, like, the crown jewels, let's just say, or uh, the Hope Diamond in America, or, or something of real value, and, and, and it ends up getting stolen, and you'll hear somebody go, well, they say that it was an inside job. And when it comes to the things of God, generally speaking, it's more of an inside job than it is an outside job. And that's what we're going to look at this morning. We're talking, I've called this morning's message in our series Outbreak, uh, I've called it inside job. It's an inside job. And so even though we're going to look at first what looks like an outside job, uh, it really is an inside job. So I want you to go with me over to the, uh, the book of Mark, I believe it is. And we're going to get into uh, an amazing account of what happens when uh, there's something on the inside that happens. I think about all the inside things in the Bible, like was Jonah who was inside the belly of a fish? That was an inside job. Uh, I think about the uh, Paul and Silas. They were locked up in a prison, but it was an inside job that got them out. I think about the three Hebrews in the fiery furnace. It was an inside job when they discovered that the fourth man who as the son of God was in there in the furnace with him. I think about the tomb where Jesus was placed and he came out of that, you know, certainly an inside job. But what we're going to look at today, in fact, I'll go to Isaiah 64 and verse 1. This is a great scripture here. And this is the cry of most of our hearts. And it certainly was the cry of the prophet Isaiah. He said this, he said, oh, <laughs> oh, that you would rend the heavens and come down. And that's, again, under the old covenant, and God did that. He, he rent the, the curtain in the temple, was rent from top to bottom. The Holy Spirit came out of the temple. We became the temple. That's Pentecost. God actually did come down. He dwelt, and then he infilled us, and, and that's what it's all about. To rend means this. It means torn, split, sever, or to break. Oh, that you would rend or tore, tear or split or sever or, or break the heavens and come down. Fact, God did. He did that. So we don't need to be crying out to the heavens anymore for God to do something that he's already done. That's why this is called inside job. Now in Mark chapter 2, we look, we're going to look at something that doesn't really look like it's an inside job. It actually looks like it's an outside job. And uh, it says this, a few days later, verse 1, when Jesus again entered Capernaum, now you've got to remember Capernaum was his home. They came back. He did a tour, preaching in the temples all over the place. Uh, he's exhausted. They get back to Capernaum, which is where he was now living with them. And the people heard that he had come home. Verse 2, they gathered in such large numbers that there was no room left, not even outside the door. And he preached the word to them. Oh, man. Like, 
I cannot wait to hear Jesus preach. We've got preachers, but he is the prince of preachers. He is, he is amazing. And, I, you know, that's something it, when people talk about going to heaven and, and what are you expecting, what are you looking forward to, I can tell you one thing I'm looking forward to. I want to hear the, the master preach. I want to hear the word unleashed. The word became flesh. I want to hear the word himself deliver the word. And when he speaks, people pay attention, that's for sure. All these numbers, and they couldn't even get in. And then verse 3, some men came, bringing to him a paralyzed man, carried by four of them. And since they could not get him to Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus. Now, think about that for a moment, but who knocks a hole in God's roof? I, I, I can imagine the intrepidation that they approach this with. They've got their friend. He's paralyzed. He can't walk, in other words. He can't fend for himself. Four of them come up with this plan. We can't get to the door. We can't even get near the, the door. We can't get inside. We've got to go from the outside, and we've got to break in. We've got to break in, not to steal something, but to get a, our paralyzed friend down into the realm, the arena where, where the master can heal him. And so they have that plan. I can imagine them deliberating about it, discussing it. Well, you know, what if, you think about all the what ifs with that one, what if he gets mad? After all, I heard about Two of his disciples, James and John, otherwise known as the sons of thunder, that were going to call lightning down upon the Samaritans. I, I, I know that this guy moves in supernatural. This could be really nasty if he doesn't like a hole in his roof. Think about your house for a moment and think if you were in it and maybe there's a block party or something going on and, 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 and somebody couldn't get in, they couldn't get near your front door, so they decided to go on the roof and just bash a hole in your house. How happy would you likely be about that? I don't think so. Back then they had mud roofs, they had uh, baked mud on top and all kinds of branches and uh, straw and other things to keep the rain out. Uh, and, and it was a messy, messy thing, them knocking a hole in the, in the house of God. It gets messy when you think about all the things that God's promised and trying to get to them. Sometimes it's a, a messy state of affairs. And, and, and listen to what they did. It says, since they couldn't get him to Jesus because of the crowd, they made the opening in the roof above Jesus by digging through it and then lowering the mat the man was lying on. I can just imagine this scene as the people inside the room, they're listening. It's like, what is that? It's not going to rain today. It's not thunder. But they hear this bash, bash, this thuddy noise. And, and, and with every single thud, and these guys are digging, all of a sudden there's straw and, and dirt falling down in, into their hair and their eyes and everything else. And they look up like, what? is going on here. Immediately it says, uh, sorry, back up. When Jesus saw their faith, I love that. What did he see? He didn't see dirt falling everywhere. <laughs> he sees their faith. He says to the paralyzed man, son, your sins are forgiven. Now that's something inside, inward, that none of us can see outwardly, really. We can see the expression of that. Now some teachers of the law, here we go, the religious people. Religious people don't knock holes in roofs. Religious people get offended when things are messy. They like the robes exactly pleated and ironed. They want everything status quo. They want it predictable. You will not get to the promises of God and avoid the mess. And some of the teachers were sitting there thinking to themselves, they're not saying this, why does this fellow Talk like that. He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? Great question. Immediately, Jesus knew in his spirit that this is what they were thinking in their hearts. Notice they were thinking in their hearts, not with their head. 
it's, it's quite normal to, I say this frequently because I think it's a releasing thing for what was for me and I think it is for many of, many of us, that, that you can have doubts, you can have arguments in your head. I have it all the time. We have self-talk going on you know, all the time. Me, myself, and I have some great conversations. And sometimes doubt is invited into the, 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 the table of thought in my mind, but it's in the heart that you think, it's in the heart that you believe that really matters. It's an inside job. These men in their hearts, they weren't just having some kind of uh, a conversation in their head. That would have been almost forgivable, excusable, but this is going on in their hearts. And, and they're thinking in their hearts, and he said to them, why are you thinking these things? Which is easier to say to this paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up, take up your mat, and walk? Well, one of them demands an outward sign. Everybody's going to see something visible. That's take up your mat and walk. The other one, in the heart, matters of the heart. You can't see them. It's a whole lot easier to say, you're forgiven, than it is to uh, demonstrate something of the power of God. So it's a lot easier for us to parrot promises. There's over, there's something like 88 110, I think it is, promises in the Bible, of which about 7,400 of them relate to promises that God gave humanity, that God gave people just like us. That's a lot of promises. And, and memorizing those, I think, is a, is a great thing. I think it's a smart thing to memorize promises of God that God gave to you. But memorizing those and parroting those alone is not going to be job done. That's not going to mean that your life is going to be filled with the fulfillment of those promises. And, and, and this morning, we're going to look at what is it that stops us from appropriating those promises. Because every promise has incredible potential. Sometimes we hear about people and somebody will go, oh, they've got so much potential. Well, that and $10 will get you a cup of coffee. Potential in itself, it's worthless, unless it's activated. When I was in high school, we, we took science, basic science, and learned about potential energy and kinetic energy. The difference between the two is profound. Potential stored up energy is, is really worthless until it's released and it's translated into kinetic energy until that energy comes out of the battery, until it comes out of the, uh, of the power plant. It, it really is worthless. It's not going to do anything for anybody until the promise of God is appropriated and acted upon and fulfilled in your life, then it really is It'll torment you. It'll become something that, that just beats you up. It's like, where is it? You'll become like uh, Elisha, smack the water with your, with your, with your robe. It's going to be like Moses taking a, a stick and smacking the rock, and he doesn't go into the promised land because he got so frustrated. Promises that are not appropriated, that are just potential, they will torment you. Sometimes it's, where is the God of Elijah? What about these stiff-necked people? Speck, beat up the rock. <laughs> I've been there. I'm there frequently, to be honest. But I want to say this, that this morning, we're going to see how to unleash the promises of God. But this morning's message is called, It's an Inside Job. Don't shake your fist at God. You can yell at God all that you want. He's probably going, oh, here, they, here they go again. Another tantrum. They don't realize that this is on the inside wanting to come out. These guys are on the outside trying to get in. It looks like this is an outside job. And Pastor Ed, the title of your message, you must have got it wrong about inside job. They're, they're on the outside. But then he goes on, verse 10, I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins, so he says to the man, I tell you, get up, take your mat, and go home. He got up, took his mat, walked out in full view of them all. This is amazing. Everyone, it amazed, this amazed everyone. And they praised God saying, we have never seen anything like this. Isn't it good when people see something that you know only God could have done? I, I've got answered prayer coming out my eyeballs and uh, some of the things that, I, you know, I, Gail and I have prayed about recently, just about family. 
and like I, I, I pray and I say, okay, to family member, I believe that you're going to hear from God today. No sooner do my thumbs hit the, uh, you know, I hit the send button on message and then come straight back. Just heard from God. Got my breakthrough. So pumped about what's going on. Prayed for my dad for years and years and years. Dear old dad turns 90 uh, in, in this month in June. Uh, prayed for him to get saved. Finally, after I'd pretty well given up, to be honest, I'd still thrown up a Frisbee prayer, but it's like nothing's going on here. It's like, okay, yeah, God, labor across his path. Job done. I can't do anymore. Long distance. Dad gets saved. Dad's now talking the Bible. Dad, dad's read the Bible twice all the way through. You know, Dad is just uh, supercharged about going to heaven when he, when he checks out of here. doesn't even know sometimes, why am I still here? Uh, you know, I want to go home and be with the Lord. For him to even say the Lord, that's, that's such a, you have no idea what a miracle that is. There are promises that you and your household, that's one of them, will be saved. It's an inside job, however, that's going to get that promise unlocked in your life. If you've got unsaved people in your life, you know what I'm talking about. So Jesus, he completes his teaching tour. He's in Capernaum. These four men take their handicapped friend that's paralyzed. They are limited. They've got no option but to knock a hole in God's roof. And the plan is, is risky. But what kind of a spirit, what kind of a person would do that? I said it's an inside job. Jesus sees their faith. Somewhere they've received faith in their heart that we are going to make this happen. We know that there's a promise there for healing for our paralyzed friend. If we can just get him to the promise keeper, if we can just connect with the power source, if we can get him into that room somehow. See, faith doesn't give up. If you're going to look at these promises, these 7,400 that are towards humanity, you must look at it from a strategy that I'm not going to quit with this thing. This might be a hard one. It might be hard to actually get to the power source, but I am going to not quit with that. I'm going to look and find a way. Now, I want to give you four things this morning. I want to give you four things that stop you from achieving uh, the potential of the promise. Four things that stop these promises from happening. And the first one I want to give you is your past. Past experience. So many of us, because it hasn't happened, it never will. Oh, yeah, I tried that, I did that, didn't work for me. I think about the disciples and Simon Peter, and he launches out into the deep with Jesus in the boat. Jesus basically says, can I have your boat? I need a preaching platform. And so they launch out, and, and Jesus does his thing. He's thankful for Peter to, Simon rather, at the time, to uh, have a lend of his boat. And then he says to Simon, he says, hey, launch your net down into the deep and get ready for a catch. Immediately, Simon's response was this, looking back at the past. Master, we've toiled all night. We've been fishing this spot all night long and caught nothing. Nevertheless, at your command, nevertheless, out of obedience to you, they went ahead and did it and caught this massive haul of fish. His past experience got blown away by obedience to the promise to actually act upon the promise. Again, the potential was there all along. But for potential to be turned into the actual achievement and the fulfillment of the promise, you've got to step out of your past. All of us has got, have got 50 million excuses. All of us have got reasons why we cannot see this thing going forward, and, and it has to do with our past. How do you tell if your past is what's causing you from not achieving the promise of God or stepping into it? One way is to listen to what you talk about. If what's coming out of your mouth is just all about the past, and Christians, uh, most of you guys, I'm talking to the, the church now, we are so good at this, and yet there's really two places where you hear people talk about the past, and neither one of them 
I really don't like going to. One is a funeral. <laughs> Quietly, yeah. I remember when Jonesy was, yeah, I remember when we first met at the pub. Oh, yeah, yeah, he was so funny. Da-da-da-da-da-da-da. Or I remember we met Jonesy in the church. What a man of God. Sister Margaret or whatever was, she was such a saint. And then we go into all, you know, all the details. Funerals are great for that, and they should be. They're a memorial to the past achievements, hopefully the life of somebody that went on and did something glorious. But do you want to live in a funeral parlor? Unless you're a funeral director, no, no disrespect for anybody like that. But, I, you know, I'll go to funerals, but I'm really glad when it's finished. Second place, I don't go there either, and that's high school reunions. I don't, I've got no desire to go to a high school reunion. And a lot of people talk about high school reunions, where they talk about the past mainly. And then they come out of the high school reunion, friends of mine that have gone to ours, it's like, I cannot believe that so-and-so's lost all of his hair. <laughs> oh, I can't believe how fat she is. I can't believe, and it's hardly ever positive. In our space of time, the homecoming queen and the homecoming queen, it's, a, it's, a, it's in a land far, far away called Only in America. Uh, and, you know, the king, the most charismatic, good-looking, athletic dude in the whole thing. And now, got a big beer belly. I'm not saying our homecoming king. I have no idea, no offense, <laughs> if you're listening from my high school. Our, our high school was uh, the Red Devils, Grosseal High School. The Red Devils is preaching for you right now. That's, the, that was, that's who we were, devil with a pitchfork. Go Red Devils. Amen. Uh, and, uh, you know, the queen, I don't know what she looks like now, but uh, you go back to your high school past and, and start to lament and start to reminisce. I imagine that's probably fun for a night. I imagine the funeral could be fun for, for a moment to lament about your past. But if you want to achieve and walk in and see the fulfillment and the potential unleashed in the promises of God, you've got, to, you've got to move past that. The past is what curses so many of us from stepping on into the future. So what do you do if you've lost the, uh, the hope in the future? Go back to the promise. Go back and look at the promise and see that if the promise has not been fulfilled, you're not going to achieve it by getting stuck in the past. You've got to move on. Where I come from, it would snow, seriously snow, during certain types, times of the year, and, and invariably you get stuck in the snow, and, and you can't get out. Your tires would spin, you, you'd rev the car up, and if, if, if you've got to go up, uphill, it's, it's really, really difficult to do that, and you need somebody else to get out and push. And if you don't help other people push, guess what? Chances are you're not going to get anybody to help you push. So a whole bunch of cars stuck, everybody piles out, they, they help the first car get unstuck so that the second car can get unstuck, and the third car, and everybody's out there in the blizzard, and feet are wet, and it's cold, freezing, and everybody's going to be late for work or wherever they're going, but you just get out, and, and people get out of their cars, and they push, and they help everybody else get unstuck. The way to get unstuck from the past is to help each other and just say, hey, that, that was bad. That happened for sure, but you know what? There are some amazing promises. There is an amazing hope for the future. I am going to get my vocabulary geared up and targeted on the promises of God, which will usher in incredible hope for the future, and I will get unstuck and see the promises of God unleashed in my life. Amen? So if the past is, is got you stuck, I would just say this, repent. Just, just repent. You can break out of that. You can do it. And help other people get past that one as well. And uh, watch your vocabulary with that. Learn from your past. Embrace the now, though. Move into your future. And uh, you will see some incredible things. Look at the promise. Look at Ephesians chapter uh, 1, verse 19. Uh, uh, this is out of the uh, Passion Translation. Because what God wants to do with each one of us, he wants us to be the advertisement of his glory and his reality. And until we're unstuck from the past, we're not going to advertise him in all of his glory very well. 
we are, we, you will receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you. You will be my witnesses, he says in Acts chapter 1-8. We, we looked at that. That's Pentecost. It happened now. Now it's time for that power to come out. There's power in every promise of God, but it's got to come out of the potential realm and be released into the reality, the now world. Ephesians 1-19, the Passion Translation. I pray, Paul says, that you will continually experience the immeasurable greatness of God's power made available to you through faith, then your lives will be an advertisement of this immense power as it works through you. This is the mighty power. Not as you scream at the heavens and command God to do something that he's already done, but as it works through you, you will be filled with the Holy Spirit and power you will be my witnesses in Judea, Samaria, and in the outer parts of the world. You will be an advertisement of the reality of the immense power. Look at Ephesians 2, 7 in the Passion. Throughout the coming ages, we will be the, vis the visible display of the infinite riches of his grace and kindness, which was showered upon us in Christ Jesus. You will be the visible display, it says, of the infinite riches. What's that? The infinite promises of God being fulfilled in your life. So what stops you from walking in the promise? Second thing, if you're taking notes, second thing is present circumstances. If Jesus got up in Luke 4.18, he says, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me, for he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the oppressed. People that are just beaten up by the devil and, and oppression. It's not a very nice thing, is it? To proclaim liberty to the captive or freedom to the prisoner, whatever your circumstance that you're in right now, there is good news through the Spirit of God that you can be free from those circumstances. But again, freedom comes from the inside out. So many of us want God to eliminate all the opposition. Not going to happen. God, just Take all of my enemies out of the way. I don't know how you're going to do it without killing them, but, you know, if you have to do it, that's cool with me, too. <laughs> yes. Don't we go there sometimes. Now, God's not going to kill everybody out of your way. All, all those people that are in your way, they're in your way to make you stronger. There, I heard the story once in... Uh, about the, the uh, codfish in, uh, you know, true story. But uh, they had the most beautiful codfish in the southwest, uh, sorry, northwest of America. And um, no, no, it was in New England, sorry. The other way around, it was in, in New England. And they decided to ship these codfish to the west coast so that the delicacy of the codfish could be experienced in the finest cuisine and restaurants on the west coast of America, Los Angeles, Beverly Hills, of course, all those places. So they would take the, the cod codfish uh, on the, the northeast codfish and freeze these things and ship them. And by the time they got to the plates of the restaurant, they tasted like mush. They were terrible. And they couldn't figure out what can we do other than Freezing them seemed like the logical thing, but they couldn't do it. So then they thought, we will ship them live in tanks to the West Coast. So they put the codfish in tanks, very expensive endeavor, and was going to cost a lot when it was finally plated up and people had to pay the tab at the end, but it's okay, it's to the high end. And the same result was, wasn't quite as mush and lacking in fiber substance that fish, but it just wasn't the same as eating it on the East Coast. And then somebody noticed that the enemy of the Northeast codfish was the catfish. And they saw that the fiber that was in that fish came through the catfish chasing it everywhere. 
in the tension. So they shipped it with catfish all the way to the West Coast. And they cooked it and they plated it up. Bon appetit. It was beautiful. There are catfish in your life right now. <laughs> That's a sinister laugh, kind of. God's not going to kill them for you. God's going to make you stronger. Remember I said, this is an inside job. You are going to get stronger and stronger and stronger because of the catfish in your life. That you will get so big on the inside, so pregnant with the promise of God, that the promises of God cannot, cannot not happen in your life. But until you reach that point, those catfish are going to be there. They're going to be chasing you all over the place. You're going to wonder, where is God? He's, he's in you, friend. He's in you. You've got to rise up. When I first started going to the gym, my son was showing me some things when he was here. He said, Dad, grab those big, heavy dumbbells. I'm, I'm like, well, what for? I'm not going to curl or lift or bench press or do presses with those things. <laughs> They're heavy. He goes, yeah, just t pick the biggest ones that you can hardly carry. So he reaches over, grabs these monstrous things, and I'm like, well, what are we going to do with these things? He goes, just follow me. Just grab one in each hand and follow me. So I did. It's called a farmer's walk, kind of what, why farmers are strong. The farmer's walk is that you just carry these heavy dumbbells and walk around the gym, and the resistance of that heavy weight causes you to become strong. You can't curl it or bench it or anything. You just carry it. Everybody knows when they see somebody with these massive dumbbells walking around the gym, they're, they're farmer walking. It's not, not a glamorous thing. Nobody wants to do it. But man, like, you'll be till your arms ache. And then it's like, when your arms ache, my son says, then you can put the dumbbells down, get a, get a bit refreshed, and pick them up again and walk with them. And it's that resistance in life that causes the fiber in the inside of you. Remember, this is an inside job <laughs> to become strong. Those men that, that bashed that hole in the roof, they had something on the inside of them that, that, that Jesus looked at and marveled and says, man, I, I can see your faith, guys. He didn't get upset. You messed up my house. You got mud in my hair. What are my guests going to think? They might all leave. No, he embraced it. He marveled at it. He applauded it. And then, then he healed the man, their friend. The third thing, if you're taking notes, the third thing is something that we don't like to talk about a whole lot, but it's called patience. Oh, God, no. How long? It's been five minutes. Wow. You have need of patience, Paul says the writer of Hebrews, you have need of perseverance so that when you've persevered, it's going to happen. But you've got to learn patience. Faith with what? Faith with patience inherits the promise. I look at the gap, the time gap between the promises or the fulfillment in the Bible, the miracles, if you will. And sometimes we forget, yeah, Moses saw incredible things, but some of those things were 40 years apart. Isn't that incredible? Some of us aren't even 40 years old. And it's like, why didn't it happen? Patience. Just be patient. In God's timing, and I'm, ta I'm talking about God's timing, not your timing. You've got a window like that. God's got an infinite view of, of, of life and eternity included. He's got an infinite view of what's best for you. You just have need of patience. And a, and a little bit of patience, oh, it goes a long, long way. I know I'm speaking to people, and some of you have been incredibly patient in some of the things that you've waited for. When we were trying to have a, a, a child, it took incredible patience as we had some miscarriages along the way. It was frustrating. It was to the point where we didn't want to tell anybody we're pregnant again. Because, oh, what if it happens again, the letdown? 
And then I watched my wife rejoice with everybody else who was getting pregnant. And some of them weren't probably going to be that great of parents, not as great a mother as what she was going to be. But she rejoiced with every single one of them. She hugged them. She got excited with every one of those babies. And some of them were like Octomom, having all these kids and everything. And we couldn't even have one. But patience with the promise, getting through the frustration of it, and not getting red eye, jealous eye, when somebody else gets something. Oh, I was so excited. Guess what? Oh, we're having another baby, the sixth one. I looked at my wife. Tears would well up of joy. Never once did I say, see her bitter about any of it. Just patient, patiently waiting for the promise. I wish I could say that I had that much patience all the time. We see somebody else get a promise of financial breakthrough and they, they, they're blessed with something. Patience rejoices when somebody else gets their promise. Patience says, man, I'm so thankful. And I know because you got yours. I just know mine's, mine's coming. It's coming. It's going to happen. The clock's ticking. It's like a ticking time bomb of the potential power that's in that promise. It's tick, tick, tick. I just got to wait. Tick, tick, tick. Any moment now. Bam! I'm speaking to people right now. You just got to stay in it. Got to be in it to win it. That's the saying, isn't it? You're clocking out. You're checking out. Sometimes maybe one tick before the fulfillment of that promise, and you quit. Don't quit. Don't give up. Faith with patience inherits the promises of God. In Hebrews, if you read the end of, uh, of that incredible letter, you see that they didn't even get the promises, it says. It, it, toward the end of Hebrews there, in fact, it says it twice. They didn't even inherit it. They didn't receive it. They died still believing for it, but realizing that the next generation is going to get what was promised to us. And when they come back and the family rejoices and we're all together in heaven, there's going to be far more fruit because we stood our ground even though we didn't personally step into it or see the fulfillment of it. The next generation did, and I am so happy for you. Amen. So do not get bitter in the waiting and the patient time. And then the final thing, it's just the fear of paralysis. Fear paralyzes. And there's always a void. I, I just call it like a black hole or a vortex. If you go through a powerless situation for too long, something's going to fill that vacuum. Now, I'm not talking and discounting what we just talked about with patience. But with that promise and waiting upon that promise, you have to realize that fear is going to knock at your door all the time with the what ifs. Oh, I don't know if you've experienced the what ifs or not, but I certainly have. What if it doesn't work? What if you told everybody? What if you pray for that sick person and they die? So I'm not going to do it. What if you invest and that investment turns south? What if the economy crashes right after you've stepped off? And I've done that before. We went through 2008 and the GFC was terrible. But I'd still invest again. I'd still pray for the sick again. I'll still tell people the good news again. I'll still step off in the promise of God again and again and again. Because fear will paralyze you to the point where you, not, you will not even move. You will be the paralyzed man on the stretcher. Get up and move. Get up and breathe. Don't let paralysis set in. Don't let fear set in. It's an inside job. The doing is a result of the being. What you do is a result of who you are and even more whose you are. It's God's promises 
are pregnant on the inside of you, wanting to do something in you so that you can step into those and not lose your salvation over. If you gain the whole world and lose your soul, what does it profit you? If you don't have the character to step up to that level, thank God that God didn't let you go up to that level only to be destroyed and only to fall. Thank God that he cared enough about you to, to, to work on your character so that when the promise is fulfilled and you graduate into that next level, whatever that is translated for you, that your character is there to keep you there, that you will not fall. A big curse to those that, whose character is not there and they get promoted and they get famous and they get wealthy and they, they win the lotto or whatever it is, but their character can't keep them there and their whole family goes down the gurgler. What a curse. This is an inside job. The being is the most important thing before the doing. I've watched that many people do so many things that honestly take your breath away. I watch them in ministry, in the church that I've pastored now for 32 years, the numbers of people, honestly, <laughs> that had financial success, <laughs> that looked like they just had it all together. Picture postcard people I'm talking about, marriages and everything else. But this is an inside job. Do you understand that? It's an inside job. And the doing comes out of the being. With the inside job, it's who you are that's the most important thing. Then what you do will come out of that. You will be an advertisement for the glory of God. Not a shame because your character wasn't there. You didn't work on the main event. You. And the whole thing came crashing down. I believe this. That the devil will promote you before your time. He wants to promote you before your time. He'll send you to the, into orbit with success because he knows your character is not going to keep you there and it's going to cause more disillusionment with more people when you fall than if he, di if he didn't promote you. So the door will open. Yes, come through. You know, Christians, we have the green light, red light thing. If it's God, it's going to be a green light. There's no resistance. If it's God, oh, I knew it was God. How'd you know? Oh, I just walked straight through the door. It's like, you got set up. They bashed the hole in the roof. They didn't get in through the door. They, nobody parted the crowd. Jesus, Jesus didn't go, part the crowd, let the lame man and his four friends come through. Come on. No, 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 no. Bash, 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 dirt and mess everywhere. You will not get there cheaply unless the devil promotes you that way. And you will fall, and oh, so many people then go with you when that happens. So it was faith, it was an inside job, really, in, in their hearts that knocked a hole in God's roof. But the question is, is who fixed it up? It's one thing to show how incredibly faithful you are and courageous and everything else, and bash a hall, ah, rend the heavens. But who fixed it? The crowd dispersed somewhere in there. The Bible doesn't actually say. It doesn't talk about this. It's silent, but I had to ask the question. I know that these four guys bashed the hole in the roof, and I know that their friend got healed, so he's not paralyzed anymore. I know it was a mess. It had to be a big mess. And none of us were there on that eventful day. But there could have been storm clouds straight above. It could have been hail. It could have been incredible storm coming. The roof is open now. They might have slept in that very room. I don't know. Somebody had to fix it. And when you step out in a promise of God and you get past your past and you persevere through patience and the present circumstances and you get to that place where you're not paralyzed anymore but you're up and you're walking and you're not lame anymore, you're off the stretcher and you've got your legs now underneath you and everything else is going for you, but what if there's a big fat mess as a result? 
And often it's the mess of failure. If I fail, it's going to be a mess. I'm going to have to clean it up. And I don't like cleaning up messes. Who does? So we pull back. So who cleaned up the nest and who fixed the hole in the roof? I'd like to believe that the paralyzed man. I don't know if they had hammers back in the day. I don't really know. Maybe it was just go get some water and can I get some dirt from over here? Did somebody else get one of those little brooms that they had back then and going to climb up there and fix it? I'd like to think that when you are healed of your paralysis and your strength is so strong that you become an advertiser, a witness to God, I would like to think that you would do what he said if he says, take the broom, you get the mud, you get the water, you get the ladder, let's get up and fix this. Because there's always the carpenter that's standing there. He won't let the hole stay there. He knows how to fix the holes in your heart and in your life. It's one thing to bash the hole in, it's another thing to fix it. But don't you ever forget that no matter how messy it gets, You've always got the carpenter. Yeah. He's always there standing with you. Yeah. He's not stressed over the mess. He knows it's going to get messy. But he's there with you to fix that. I wonder right now if maybe you could identify some things as we're closing. I'd like the worship team to come back. Thanks. I wonder right now if you could identify with any of these four, perhaps other things that are stopping you from seeing the promises of God into fruition in your life. Maybe you do have need of patience, and today maybe this was just for you to go, okay, I get it. My character's not there. I need more patience as God's working. And maybe it's your circumstances right now that you just need to get unstuck, call on the greater one too free you up from some of these things. Maybe it's your past and your vocabulary tells you out. What do you talk more about? What's happened or what's going to happen? That you could walk in the promises of God by talking in the promise of God and seeing the future hope is greater than the dismal past and failures. Maybe you're stuck and you're paralyzed by fear. Oh God, what if? I know I've been there that many times just don't want to jump off the ledge because it's just too high and it's too scary and if I fall it's going to be a big mess I wonder right now if you could just examine your hearts wherever you're at for some could, could be mindsets we're going to look at that in the series just get honest with God do some personal inventory Look on the inside right now because it's an inside job. Don't look at doing right now. Look at being. Let God show you face to face who you are and where we need to work on this. Be bold, be brave. If you don't know Jesus Christ, he's not your Lord and Savior. Before I pray for other things, I want to give you a chance, and if you're watching online, I'd love to include you in this prayer. I'd like to include everyone in this prayer. In fact, I'd ask that we could all say this prayer together. It's, it's a prayer to just ask Jesus into our heart and to give our life to him. I don't know. There's a meeting that goes by where we don't do this. This is not a religious thing. Even though it's a repetitive thing, he will expose your heart. He'll give you a brand new one. You must be born from above. You're sitting here, you were born from this earth, but you must be born from above. So if that's you and you don't know Jesus Christ, I'd like you to pray this prayer with us here at City Church. I'd like you to pray this prayer together. We'll all say this together, but wherever you're at, if you mean this in your heart, it's not a formula, you will be saved. He will come in. He will give you a brand new heart. You will be a brand new creation. You'll find that there's an inventory that he places in your heart of hope and cleanliness and cleanness and wholeness and righteousness and all of these things. He'll set you right. So if you want to pray that prayer with me right now, just say this after me. Say, Dear God, 
I thank you for loving me so much, for sending your son to clean my past. Jesus, I give you my heart. Thank you, God, for giving me a brand new heart. Amen. If that's you and you prayed that prayer, please email us. It'll come up on the screen, and we'd love to get you started and, and help you get involved in a church in your area, somewhere in the world, wherever you're at, if we can help you in any way with that one. You can also email prayer requests. I've been praying for people that have been emailing things in, and you don't have to put your name necessarily in, in uh, you know, anything confidential, but we do pray, and I take that very seriously. Before we close off with the online stream, hopefully it's not too late back there, uh, I'd like us all to stand here and at home. If you want to stand, you can, wherever you're at. God is so good. Amen? Amen. So I'd like for us to um, get ready to receive. No matter what the mess is, I want you to get ready for an outbreak. But what do you need to break out of? And it could be complaining, attitude, negativity. Like I said, those four things that we identified. But I want you to say this after me, and I want you to say it like you mean it, if you're here, if you're wherever you're at in the world. But I want you to say this and really mean it. Today okay. is my day okay. to break out okay. of my past, okay. the experiences, the letdowns, the negativity. Today is my day to become stronger than the catfish in my world. I embrace what God is doing in my heart. Fill me now with courage. Father, I thank you right now for power to fill me, for patience to endure, and for the prisoner to be set free in my life. In Jesus' name, come on. Amen and amen. Let's give the Lord a hand clap. God bless you if you're watching online. Thank you for listening to the City Church Podcast. If you enjoyed this message or God worked through you in any way, then please take a moment to contact us through our website at city-church.net or email us your feedback at info at city-church.net.